verse uh, 51 uh, is going to be our, our text this morning. But before we get started in that, I, I do I want to read uh, a passage out of our text so that you understand where we're headed and where we're going. Uh, it's found in verse 35, and so John 1, 35, 36, and 37. Uh, I, w- I want you to see this with me first, and, and, and then we'll, we'll pray and we'll go into our text. But here, here John writes uh, in verse 35, The next day again, John, this is not John who wrote the gospel, this is John the Baptist. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I pray, God, that as we look at your word this morning, I pray that as I attempt to share from your word, God, that you would make your will known to us. God, that you would make your heart known to us. That you would give us the grace and the strength we need to hear from you and obey you. I pray that as we look at your word and see what it means to follow Jesus, God, that you would give us the the courage we need to do that, to follow after our Lord. I pray if there's anyone who doesn't know you and who's never followed you, that they would follow you this morning. I pray that we would be a church of people who follow Jesus and lead others to follow Jesus. God, we need your help. God, without you, we are nothing. Without you, we're wasting our time. We need you to move in our midst. We need you to move in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our church, in our community, and in our nation, God. We are a people who are in need of you, in need of your grace, your power, and your strength. So God, I pray that you would give it this morning. Give what we don't have, God. Give us the strength that we don't have so that we can serve you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the, the, the other night we were going to a wedding rehearsal out in Piercy, and so we were coming from Mom and Dad's, and we're coming down downtown, and I didn't know how long it was going to take to get there. I kind of knew where I was going, wasn't 100% sure, so I put the address in my GPS. Well, the way that my GPS figured it, it wanted me to come downtown and then go down uh, Albert Pike and out Airport Road. I'm sure everybody knows where that is, right? If you're not from here, you probably don't, but that's okay. You'll get the point here in a minute and so I was coming downtown and and I decided instead of going all the way down to Washita I take the road next road up and cut in between and go past the uh, parking garage and go up that way and so we took a sort of a back road it wasn't really a back road it's the way I've always went uh, when I'm heading out towards Albert Pike y'all know where I'm talking about you come out by Grand Avenue Methodist over there well as we're driving down through there every single side road we come to the GPS says turn left now turn left now turn left now Take a U-turn, turn left now. I'm like, listen, lady, I know where I'm going. You don't have to. And so I kind of went off on her a little bit, and Crystal's like, be nice. I'm like, she's not a real person. I can yell at her and not get in trouble. She does not know where I'm going. I'm about to teach her something, right? And so I'm getting furious with this dumb GPS, but I'm keeping it on so that I can figure out how much time uh, we have to get there. And so uh, we, we come out. and I mean, and, and until we came out by the Methodist church over there, it was still trying to tell me how to drive. And I was like, listen, you don't know where you're going. Just wait a minute. And then it finally rerouted. But, but, but I, I thought, how often is that what it's like in our own life? We think we know where we're going. We think we know what we're doing. We don't really want anybody to tell us how to get there. We know where we're headed until we don't know where we're headed. Right? Until we get lost. Until we can't find where we're going. And, and, and I, I think... 
Sometimes we're in one of two categories. Either we've got it all figured out, the path in front of us is very clear, and we know where we're going, or we're completely lost and too uh, proud to stop and ask for directions. Either way, we're, we're going somewhere, right? And we're all following someone or something. Whether we're following our own wisdom, our own advice, or following someone else's, we're following someone. And so that's what I want to talk to us about this morning is who are we following? We've all, we're all following someone and something. You may say, well, I, I mark out my own path. Well, okay, then you're following yourself. That's fine. But you're following something. Remember John's point in writing this gospel. His point is, is that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, and that by believing in Him, we would have life in His name. Well, in order to believe in Jesus, like if we actually believe He's the Son of God, the Christ, guess what we're going to do? We're going to follow Him. Who are you following this morning? Who are you trusting to give you directions? Who is your global positioning, what is it, global positioning satellites? How does that go? I don't even remember what, I shouldn't have even said that. But who's, who is your guidance system? Who is directing your path? Is it the Lord or is it yourself? Maybe you're trying to figure it out on your own. You think you've got the answer. Well, I, I know how that works out too. Um, even though I am from here and even though I've spent some time in Arkansas, Sometimes I st I've gotten lost in Little Rock a few times. I'll admit it in front of everyone. Like, I don't know why it's such a big deal, but 4.30 gets me every time. Like, I'll go and I'll get on 6.30 and go over to the hospital, and then when I'm coming back, every time I end up in North Little Rock, every time I take the wrong exit until I finally keep putting it in my GPS, and now I have it figured out. But, but I don't know how many times I ended up in North Little Rock because I went north instead of south on 4.30 or however it is. It's worded weird over there. But I, I, that happens to us in our lives. We think we have it figured out. We think we know what's going on. And then next thing you know, everything falls apart and we're, we're where we ought not to be. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we look at John's Gospel, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 19 through 51, to follow Jesus. I know it's a lot of verses. Y'all are big, though. I think you can handle it. I think we can make it through it. Uh, and, and so first off, I want you to see that if we're going to follow Jesus, we must first admit that we are not. We must first admit that we're not. And it, let me explain as we read, uh, beginning here in verse 19. And this is the testimony of John, speaking about John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Uh, so they're, you know, they're concerned, Who's this guy? Why is all these people coming to talk to him? Verse 20, He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So here in verse 23, he said, I, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. Verse 25. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan uh, where John was baptizing. And so when they came to, Jesus, came to John the Baptist and said, Are you someone special? His answer is, I am not. I am not. I am not. Are you the Savior? 
Are you the one that's coming into the world to save us? I am not. John says, I am nobody's Savior. I can save no one, not even myself. I need the Savior as much as you do. It's, it's important, guys. If we're going to follow Jesus, we must first realize that we are not the Savior. Because you can't save anybody. You can't even save yourself. Sometimes we get it in our minds that we can save people. Sometimes we get it in our minds we can do things to save people, but we can't. We can't even help our own selves. John the Baptist says, I am not the Savior. I am not the Christ. I do not have that power. They said, are you the prophet? Are you this promised one to come and be the prophet? He says, I am not. I am not the one with all the answers. I'm not the one with all the wisdom. Guys, we're not the prophet. We're not the one with all the wisdom. We may feel like we have all the answers, but most of our answers are wrong if we're honest. We sometimes can learn more uh, than we speak. And so, so maybe sometimes we have to be reminded we are not the prophet. We are not the one who knows all things. Uh, and, and then also they said, well, then are you not Elijah? Are you, maybe you're Elijah. And he says, no, I'm not. This is interesting here. Just a little backstory. God had promised that before uh, the Christ came, Elijah would come. That he would, be the, uh, he would come in before Jesus or before the Savior came. And so, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a moment there where Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, hey, we're a little confused. I thought Elijah was supposed to come before the Savior. What's up with that? If you're the Christ, if you're the Savior, where's Elijah at? And Jesus says, he came, John the Baptist uh, was the spirit of Elijah. He came in the spirit of Elijah and no one recognized it. What's interesting here is when John is asked if he's Elijah, he says, I'm not. No, I'm not. I really think what's going on here is even John doesn't realize what God is using him to do. I think sometimes God uses us to do things we don't even realize. I think sometimes God uses us in ways that we cannot even imagine. Like later on, he's doubting Jesus and those sort of things. And so, so I mean, you see John, this imperfect man, this man that Jesus would later call the greatest ever born of a woman, outside of Jesus, of course. And, you know, he, he's questioning God. But here, God uses him in the spirit of Elijah. And so when they say, are you Elijah? He's like, no, I'm not. He doesn't even realize how big God, how much God is using him to impact the world around him. Guys, we'll never know what all God uses us to do. In fact, I would say most of the time, we don't know all the people that God impacts us, that uses us to impact around us. Very often, it's people that we may not ever even meet. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about people who uh, were the cause of other people becoming Christians who didn't even believe in Christ. God use, can use anyone and everyone, and He can even use you. In fact, He will use you. So don't count yourself out. Realize that just because you're not the Savior, not the prophet, and not Elijah, it doesn't mean God's not using you. And so the, this first here is if we're going to follow Jesus, we must first realize who we are not. We're not the Savior. We're not the prophet. We are not even worthy to untie his shoe. John says that the one who comes after me, though he was before me, meaning that Jesus was preexistent, he uh, has always been, he says, I'm not even worthy to untie a shoe or untie a sandal. This, this comes from the idea that uh, the, the, the people who had disciples, the masters, the rabbis, they would have disciples follow them. And one of the things was is there were certain things they couldn't ask their disciples to do. And one of them was untie their shoes because it was too humiliating. It's too degrading. So it's beneath 
even someone who's following a teacher. And John says, I am so low, I'm not even worthy to do the lowest of the low that my teacher is uh, not even able to ask me to do. What he's saying is, is, I have no right to stand next to him. I have less than no right to stand next to him. This humility just comes out of John. This guy who would have had the right to be, you know, proud, not the right, but had the temptation to be proud about all these things that's going on in his life, this booming ministry, all these people coming to see him. But instead, humility comes out of him because he realizes he is not. He is not the Savior. He is not the prophet. He is not anyone special. He's just simply a voice pointing to the one who is truly special. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, this humility must mark us, this understanding that we are not. Secondly, when we follow Jesus, we follow the Lamb of God. And we see this in verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus. John sees Jesus the next day coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descended from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John says he has something totally different to offer. I'm just pointing towards him. Verse 34. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And then the, the verses we read earlier in verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Then the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Another way to put this might be that we follow Jesus because of who he is. Or, or maybe once we get a full picture of who we are not, and get a full picture of who He is, that's when we follow Him. When we understand we're not able to save ourselves, when we understand we don't have all the answers, then we're willing to follow the One who does. Because we're pointed away from ourselves to the One who actually is important, the One who is actually special. Sort of like, you know, if you were sitting downtown tomorrow, whatever, and LeBron walked by, or Michael Jordan, or like if I was sitting down there with my wife and The Rock walked by. I know she's running out the door, right? She's going to go chase him down. But, but anyway, I mean, it is what it is. But, but, I, but I mean, it, there are some people that just kind of shine out, right? They're, they're just special. They're, they shine out. Well, Jesus outshines all of them. He's not just another dude walking down the street. He is somebody who is special and unique. And so when John looks at him, he says, Behold. That means, hey, y'all, look. Everybody look at who I'm looking at. Don't y'all see him? He says, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one who comes to take away the sins of the world. Now, if John was prideful, he would have said, everybody keep looking at me. But he doesn't. He says, y'all look away from me and look at him. He's the one who matters. I do not. Later, when his disciples come to him because everybody's following Jesus, he's like, I've got to decrease so that he can increase. I've got to move out of the way so that everybody can see him. It's not about us. It's about people seeing him so often we spend all this time trying to get people to look at us it's not about us it's about us pointing people to jesus like when we follow jesus the right way it's not about winning followers to ourselves john wasn't worried about losing some of his disciples or losing some of his celebrity or losing some of the people who were following him he was worried about people looking at jesus because he's the important one he doesn't mind if his disciples leave in fact he hopes they do 
Because here's the Lamb of God. Here's the one who actually matters. Here is the Savior. John has a clear understanding of who he is not and of who Jesus is. And because he does, these disciples that are standing there get the same picture. So they're like, you know, later boss, we'll go after the guy who actually matters. And John's still standing there, not upset. When we follow Jesus, we follow him because of who he is, the Lamb of God. And then next, when we follow Jesus, he gives us a new identity. He changes who we are from the inside out. And we see this in verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. In verse 42, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And so there's this interesting situation going on here. Jesus is walking by, and all of a sudden, there's a bunch of these guys following him. Kind of awkward, maybe, at first. And he turns and he says, What do you guys want? And they're like, Where are you staying? And he says, come on, and you'll see where I'm staying. So they go, and they see where he's staying, and then they stay the night with him. As I was thinking about this, I thought, how bad would it be to have Jesus as a house guest? Like, he's staying with you, and all of a sudden, just random dudes start showing up, staying the night. Not only that, he's teaching, and people are cutting through the roof to get in and blowing other people through your roof. Like, this is going to be costly, right? You get better have some insurance. But, but, and so, so Jesus goes, and, and he shows them where he's staying, and they stay the night with him. Andrew, of course, goes, and he gets his brother first, his brother named Simon. He says, Simon, we have found him. We've found the one we've been looking for. We've found the Messiah, the Savior who's come to save us all. And so he goes, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, You are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which means Peter. He's like, you, you don't really look like a Simon. I think I'm going to go with Peter. Don't you love it when people just don't call you by your real name? They just call you whatever they want to call you. Like, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I'm trying to be vulnerable here now. Uh, everybody called me Johnny Tater Chip. That's right. Johnny Tater Chip. In fact, we had a family friend who thought that was my real name for a little bit. Uh, I mean, that would look great on a business card, wouldn't it? The Reverend Johnny to the Tater Chip Graves. Like, you can just imagine, you're, you're not even going to have a good uh, boxing career with that. Everybody's going to beat you up. But, but, I mean, don't you just love when people change your name for whatever reason? Well, Jesus comes to Simon and he says, your name's no longer Simon. From now on, you'll be called the Rock. You know, I don't know if you got the eyebrow thing to go with it or not. But, but anyway, I, 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 I'm sorry. But, but it, I mean, you can imagine going up to Jesus and Jesus saying... You're no longer who you are. Your name is no longer your name. I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new identity. I'm giving you something new to live for. And guys, we, we don't all get name changes. Some of us may want name changes. If your middle name's Tater Chip, I'm sorry. But, but it, 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 we don't all get that, right? But we do get a new identity. We do get new hearts. We do get a new 
purpose. We go from being orphaned people wandering around in this dark world not knowing where to go without having any real purpose, without having any real meaning, to being welcomed into the family of God. To being having real purpose for our lives, eternal purpose for our lives. A real family, an eternal family. Like one of the greatest parts of following Jesus is the new identity He gives you. You come in covered in sin and guilt and shame. And he says, yeah, I know that's who you were, but that's not who you are. I know that's what you used to carry, but you don't anymore. You're a new person with a new name. He takes away your sin. Remember, he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's like the little kid that steals your toys and won't give them back. Like he steals your sin. He takes away your sin and he's not going to give it back to you. He's not going to give back your guilt and your shame. He's not going to do it because He's the Lamb of God who takes your sin and casts it as far as the east is from the west. When we follow Jesus, we follow the Lamb of God who sets us free, who gives us a new heart and a new identity, a new reason to live. And so when we admit who we are not and come to the Lamb, He makes us what we could never be. He makes us clean. He makes us new. He makes us children of God. If we're willing to admit who we're not and come to the Lamb of God, He makes us into who we can never be. So, so, And He gives us a new purpose. And we see this next in verse 43. When we follow Jesus, we bring others with us. When we're following the Savior, when we're following the King, when we're following the Lamb, we bring others with us. And we see this in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything come out of good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And so we have Andrew who goes and gets his brother and brings him to Jesus. And, and now we have Philip who goes and gets Nathanael and says, Hey, come and see the one who Moses talked about. Come and see the Christ. Come and see the Savior. What are you waiting on? We have found Him. They are excited to tell other people that the Savior of the world has arrived. To tell other people that those who, who used to have no hope now have hope. Guys, I, I want to ask you, how mean do you have to be to not want other people around you to have the same hope you have? To have the same relationship with God that you have through Christ? Like, how cold-hearted have we become when we don't share the gospel with people who are dying and going to hell, when we refuse to invite others to come into this journey that we're on with Jesus. Like, how selfish do we have to be? When's the, when's the last time you invited someone to come and see Jesus? Now, I understand not everybody's a theologian or seminary trained. When's the last time you shared with somebody the story of how Christ has changed you? But I don't even know the Roman road. You know how Jesus saved you? Start there. Tell them I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That seems to work out pretty good for John Newton. When we follow Jesus, we're going to want people to come with us. Let me uh, begin to close out. That's somewhat ambiguous. Um, when we follow Jesus, we see greater things. Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you 
Verse 49, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of, God, uh, on the Son of Man. I love this interaction between Nathaniel and Jesus. So when Philip says, you know, we found the Savior, he's actually from Nazareth, uh, Nathaniel's like, can anything really come out of, good come out of Nazareth? It's like I, I remember growing up, you know, that, anyway, I was going to come up with some examples, and I realized no matter what area I use locally, I'm going to offend someone. So I, try, <laughs> I, I cut them all out, and I added them back in, and I cut them out again. But, but uh, I guess I'm not bold enough to talk about that this morning. But, but you all know those places. Can anything good really come out of... You can fill in the blanks. You know. It depends on where you're from, right? Nathaniel's like, can anything really good come out of Nazareth? Are you serious right now, Philip? Everybody hates Nazareth. There's nothing good that comes out of that. He's not impressed with Jesus' hometown. He's hating on Jesus' area code, whatever you want to say. And so he begins to walk towards Jesus. And as he's getting closer to Jesus, Jesus says, Oh, look, here's an Israelite. Indeed, in him there is no deceit. And, I mean, we've got to give credit for Jesus' slick sarcasm here. So he's walking up. And he says, oh, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. It sounds sort of like a compliment. But remember who Israel is. The first, the first one who's named Israel is a guy named Jacob. Jacob's name before he became an Israelite and became Israel was deceiver. Like, that's what his name meant. Like, here comes a Jacobite. Surely he's going to tell the truth. He, he, I, I really believe Jesus is digging back at Nathaniel here. He's really saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. Surely he's not a liar. Surely he's not like Jacob was. Here's an Israelite. <laughs> to which Nathaniel says, Man, Phil, tell you what I said. <laughs> like, I mean, just picture, how do you know me? How do you know that? How do you know what I said? So Jesus is like, Even before Philip got to you, I saw you under the fig tree. And then Nathaniel says, Oh. So you really are the Son of God, the King of Israel. See, he understood that Jesus actually saw him. He understood that Jesus saw him even before Philip ever began to talk to him. And Nathaniel says, You really are the real deal. You really are the one that's come to set us free. You really are our king. You really are God. And Jesus said, Because I saw you under the fig tree. Man, you ain't seen nothing yet. I tell you that you're going to see the heavens open and the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And, and he's referring to Genesis 28:12. You write this down and look at it later. When Jacob uh, has his dream, that's the Jacob's ladder, you, you may call it, that um, Jacob has a dream of a ladder between heaven and earth and angels ascending and descending. And the Lord speaks out of heaven and says, Jacob, I'm going to give you this land. He reconfirms uh, this promise with him. Here, Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, you thought Jacob was a big deal. You haven't seen anything yet, man. I've come to fulfill all of God's promises. There's so much here. Jesus is giving such a loaded statement. Remember, that these people, they, they remember their history. Nathaniel apparently is a pretty proud Israelite. He knows who Jacob is. He knows who the founder of their nation is. And he says, and so Jesus says, just realize, you haven't even seen anything yet. If you follow me, as you follow me, 
you're going to see things that are greater and more amazing than you could have ever dreamed. And, and it's interesting, like in the Greek, it's plural a couple of times. He's not just talking to Nathaniel. I, if, if it was in proper Arkansas English, he would say, y'all. Y'all, you know, you know what I mean? Like we, in English, we don't have the, you know, the, the plural form of you. It's y'all. You know, y'all will see greater things. He means not just you, Nathaniel. Everyone who follows Jesus will see greater things. John the Baptist, he didn't even know what all God was doing through him, even at the moment. These disciples, most of them unlearned. Most of these guys had no formal training whatsoever. They're fishermen. They are just the salt of the earth. They become the foundation of a movement that changes the world forever. Why? Because they followed Jesus. There wasn't anything special about them. They just realized they were not and who he was, and they followed him. Guys, if you don't know where you're going this morning, if you feel lost, you feel confused, you don't have purpose and meaning, you know what you need to do? You need to follow Jesus. He will give you purpose and meaning, and He will do things through you you never dreamed. If you're here this morning and you think you got it all figured out and you don't need anyone to guide you, you're wrong. You need to follow Jesus, and He will do things through you that you never even dreamed. Here's the deal, and here's what I want to leave you with, and I hope this will sort of sink into your mind. Jesus knew Philip, or not Philip, Nathaniel. Ever, even before Nathaniel got in touch with Philip, even before Philip got there, Jesus saw him. He knew him more deeply than he knew himself. Do you really think it's any different with you? Like he really saw Nathaniel for who he was when nobody else saw him. And he loved him anyway. This love that Jesus has is unlike anything else on this planet to be known with no secrets, and to be truly loved. Guys, that's the greatest mystery of the gospel. I, I read somebody who said, I've given Jesus a million reasons not to love me, but he loves me still. I've given him so many reasons to walk away, and yet he is still here. This is the hope and the truth of the gospel. He who knows everything about us, loves us anyway. Paul said, how can he who did not spare his own son not refuse not to give us all things? Like, there's nothing left for him to give. Of course, there's more grace than our sin. God, you may convince all the people around you you don't need help, that you got it all figured out and you know where you're headed. You may even convince yourself, but you will never convince him. He sees you. He sees right through you. He sees all those secret sins that you've never told anybody else about. He sees into your heart and He sees all those things in your heart that you won't even admit to your own self. He knows everything about you. And He says, I love you. Come to me and find forgiveness. Come to me and find grace. If you've put your faith in Him this morning, asked Him to save you, He says, I know who you are. I know where you've been and I know what you've done. Come home and find forgiveness. If you've never asked Him to save you, if you've never asked Him uh, to, to forgive you if you've never placed your faith in him you've been trying to do it on your own up to now he says come home and find forgiveness and you may say but Jesus you, I, I mean I've done this I've done this I thought this I, I acted this way I did all these things he says I know I know I know he knows you guys but he says come home and find forgiveness come home and find purpose and meaning in a family that will never leave you nor forsake you. Find a Savior that has come to set you free. Come and find the Lamb. Admit that you are not the Savior. You're not the prophet. You are no one and nothing except for the one who comes and says, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come and follow the Lamb of God that takes away your sins and won't give them back. 
Bring other people with you as you follow Him. Trust on Him. Come and find all the greater things He wants to show you and do through with you. Through you. Come and follow Him. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray, God, as we enter into a time of reflection, confession, and repentance and, and just return to You. God, that You would use this time this morning to just hammer into our hearts who You are that you would hammer into our hearts who we are not and that you would give us the courage to follow after you. Give us the courage to trust on you for our salvation. God, give us the courage this morning to put our faith in you. Give us, it, give us the strength we need to say we are not. We're not able. We're not capable of doing these things. And God, just lead us to you. Lead us to yourself now. Lead us to our Lord. Lead us to the Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.